0: But uh, we're, we're wrapping up this first, uh, first missionary journey. Uh, do I need to stand in a different spot, John? Oh, I'm good, okay. Uh, this first missionary journey of, of Paul and Barnabas. And I want to uh, show you a, a picture of a man named Henry E. Irwin. Now, unless you are just a phenomenal World War II history buff, you're probably not going to know who this man is. Does anybody know who he is? Air Force, good job. Uh, no clues up there about that. Uh, technically, it was the Army Air Force because the Air Force didn't become its own division until, what, 46, 47, something like that, uh, after World War II. But I'll give you half, half credit. Um, he is, and uh, I'm going to, just so I can get all the, the story accurate, I, I want to make sure I'm reading it. Uh, and not trying to remember all of it. Uh, Henry Irwin, called Red Irwin by his crew, was the uh, radio operator on a B-29 superfortress called the City of Los Angeles during World War II. He, in 1945, I think it was April, yep, uh, April 12th, 1945, they were flying missions over Japan to, uh, to drop incendiary bombs, on particular installations. On this particular day, it was uh, uh, a chemical plants that they were, they were going after. His plane was the lead plane, and he was supposed to drop, or that plane was going to drop, phosphorus bombs that would light up, that would burn and smoke and light up the spots for the bombers coming behind them. This particular, on this particular type of run the radio operator would be the one dropping the phosphorus bombs. And there was a a tube in the plane, and they would, kind of like a grenade, they would pull a pin, and he would drop the uh, bomb down that tube, and there was a little flap at the bottom of the tube that would open up. When the bomb hit it, it would slide on through, it would close back up. Well, the problem was, first bomb he dropped, it discharged early in the tube. It kind of clattered around a little bit, it got stuck, and then it discharged. And when it did, it came right back up into his face. Now, phosphorus bombs, I didn't know this until I read about it, phosphorus burns on contact with oxygen. So as soon as that phosphorus hits the air, it starts burning. And there's nothing you can do to put it out except to deprive it of oxygen. So this bomb flies back up in his face, gets it in his face, burns his Uh, one of his ears off, I can't remember which one, based on the photos I saw of him later in life, I'm guessing it was his right, Uh, he immediately lost the sight in his eyes, he had phosphorus in his eyes, Uh, his hair was on fire, and now there's a phosphorus bomb sitting on the floor of this B-29. Well, it burns extremely hot, hot enough to melt metal. So what's going to happen is if that bomb sits there, it's going to burn through the, the floor, I'm sure there's a technical term for it. It's military, military airplane. But I'm going to say floor, uh, burn through the floor. And directly below that is uh, the, uh, the bomb bay with all the incendiary bombs. So as soon as it goes through there, it's going to set off the, uh, uh, the bombs underneath. And they estimate that if it was a, a four, I believe it was a four-plane formation, that if those bombs go off, it takes out all four planes in the formation. It's going to be that major of an explosion. Well, uh, Private Irwin did the only thing he could do. He's blind. He picks up this burning phosphorus bomb, and he walks to the front of the plane. Uh, immediately, the plane starts filling up with smoke. So the pilot can't see anything. Uh, he can't see his gauges. He uh, opens the window to try to let the smoke out, but it doesn't help a lot. It's, it's poisonous smoke, so they're all coughing and spitting, and the plane begins to... Uh, uh, not nosedive, but descend, thank you, very technical term, um, begins to descend rapidly, and uh, Private Irwin is carrying this bomb. The navigator has had to go up to the top glass part so he could look at the stars and make sure where they were. And he has left his navigator table down which blocks Erwin's path to the cockpit, where the only window is that he can throw out this bomb. The way the thing works, it's spring-loaded, you have to have both hands to pop it up, and it goes into the wall, so Irwin takes this phosphorus bomb that is burning at, I believe I read 1,200 degrees, and he puts it under his left arm against his chest so he could get both hands free. He's blind, he pops the table up, because he knows the plane well enough to know where he is, Pops the table up, walks to the front. The, uh, the pilot, the, the captain, is, you know, amazed to see this human torch, because he is on fire. His hair is on fire, his clothes are on fire. It burned through his flesh into his ribs. And private Irwin says, "Pardon me, sir," and throws the bomb out the window and collapses. He won the Congressional Medal of Honor for this act of heroism, for this act of, of bravery, for destroying his body for the sake of this 11-man crew on this plane. Oh, by the way, he lived. Uh, he regained the sight in his eyes. Uh, he was in the hospital, I believe I said, I read, for two years. He had 41 different surgeries uh, the plane was at 300 feet when the pilot could finally see enough of his instruments to pull up. So the plane was saved, and uh, the entire crew was saved. They, they actually rushed the Congressional Medal of Honor to him. They didn't think he was going to make it. I mean, he, he was conscious the entire time they flew from Japan, I believe, to... Uh, uh, I think they flew back to Iwo Jima. Yeah, they were flying back to Iwo Jima because that was the closest hospital that could handle his wounds. He was conscious the entire time. Uh, they, they got him to the hospital. They started the paperwork immediately. We're going to get this Congressional Medal of Honor. Where's the closest Congressional Medal of Honor? They weren't even going to wait to give him his. They were going to present one to him, and then after he died, they would give his family the real one, is what they were thinking. So they found one in a glass case in Honolulu. Nobody had the key, so they smashed the glass. They brought it to him, He was awarded it. He died in 2002, I think. Incredible, incredible. Look it up when you get a chance. There are quite a few articles on him. It's just, he was a devout believer in Jesus. Um, Incredible act of heroism. Incredible act of bravery. Uh, Obviously, one of our uh, hero uh, military vets. Now, I'm going to pause right here for just a second from the sermon to uh, address something that I was not going to address, but, but uh, it came up again this morning, and I'm going to. So this is just a brief commercial for just a second, uh, and, and, and I'll explain why. I don't like talking about me too much, um, especially not up here, but when, when there's something going on that I believe has a detrimental effect on our church, I need to address those issues. And, and here, especially after using uh, Private Irwin, he uh, was discharged as a sergeant, I believe. Uh, I, I do need to uh, address this. Uh, here recently, I've heard uh, repeatedly uh, that I don't like the military, that I, Michael Linton, don't like the military personally, uh, that, that I don't, that I'm not patriotic. Uh, now, I've heard this before. Two different people have, have actually said that to me, and I've talk to them and explain that that's not the case at all. Uh, Grandfathers, uncles, my dad was in the military. I'm I'm certainly a a fan of our military, honor them, and uh, appreciate everything that they have done uh, for us and and continue to do for us. But this particular pernicious, I'm just going to call it a lie because that's what it is, has actually been used to try to get some people to leave our church recently. So I, I want to address this right now and say it's not true, uh, and, and I wasn't going to address it because it was ta- ta- I learned about it Monday, and then it got, got worked out, so it wasn't a big deal, um, but then it came up again this morning, and I said, okay, it must be a big deal. Did you know uh, that I, it, it has actually been going around that when we had our Boy Scout Sunday, I didn't even stand for the pledge? Did you know that? course, the video of our Sunday morning service clearly shows me standing for the pledge. Whoever started that, and I don't know who did, uh, also said my son didn't stand for the pledge, and he did too. I'll just throw that out there, and I would also ask that you please leave my children out of any lies and rumors. I love our military, but you know what I love more? God. So I do hesitate to have a service that is completely focused on America and forgets about God. But I will never not be thankful for my country. I will never not be thankful for my, uh, uh, our military. I will never say, as uh, it was said a few weeks ago in the town hall meeting, that we cannot have any patriotic songs in the service. I've never said that, and I won't say that. I want to address that this morning, and here's again why. Because this has been used to try to get some people to leave our church. And that, that's an issue for me. When you try to talk about me all you want to, don't talk about my family. But talk about me all you want to. You don't like the way I preach. You don't like that I handle these sorts of rumors from the pulpit. I get that. But please don't tell lies and then try to convince other people of those lies. I would appreciate that. And I know the kingdom would appreciate that as well. So I, I want to cover that. And it was asked, this, asked of me this morning, are we doing anything for veterans next Sunday? Yes, absolutely. Just like we have every Sunday, every veterans day that I've been here, except the first one. I forgot. The staff didn't remember. We didn't honor our vets. The first veterans day Sunday here. And I've apologized for that. Um, I also want to do what our patriotic holidays Say, do. On Memorial Day, I want to honor those who have lost their lives serving our country. That's what Memorial Day is for. Fourth of July, I want to thank God for our freedoms, thank God for our country, because that's what Independence Day is for. And Veterans Day, coming up in one week, next Sunday, we will honor our veterans, which is what that day is for, those that, who, who are living that we can go to and say thank you. So, I know that really didn't fit here, and like I said, I was not intending... Uh, After I had planned to cover it I I wasn't going to But when it came up again this morning I felt like I just needed to Uh, So, back to Private Irwin And his incredible Thank you Look, it's Y'all Somebody said this morning I could walk on water up here And ten people wouldn't like it Um, And it's not about me, folks It really isn't I'm Fire me, shoot me, I go somewhere else, it, it's the kingdom. I, it's, it, I don't, I'm not worried about me, I'm worried about the gospel. And are we detracting from it by some of the things we say, and, and I believe we are. So that's why I cover it this morning, and, and, and so let's, we'll move on from that now. So, Private Irwin, after this heroic act, he, like I said, he got his sight back, uh, numerous plastic surgeries. He actually ended up being a, a counselor at a VA hospital in Birmingham for something like 37 years uh, after, he, after World War II. He knew his calling, right? He knew his mission was more important than himself. He knew the focus that day was not the pain that this was going to cause. It was not the the... the lifetime of effects that he was going to experience. It was about the mission. It was about the fact that he was called to do something. And, and one of those somethings was protect the man next to him, defend the guy next to him. The, the, the broader calling was to defend his country. And he was going to do that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the repercussions to himself. Well, this morning, we're going to see that Paul knew that his calling and his message were also more important than himself. Uh, we are going to get deep into the persecution that Paul experienced on his first missionary journey. And that's, that's why Luke probably shared this. So there are a couple of reasons. He's moving the narrative along. He's a good storyteller. He's got to tell us what happened. These are very small snippets, little pictures, but he's telling us particular things to make a particular point. And verse four, or chapter 14 is all about those points. Paul Just like Private Erwin, Paul having the strength to stay faithful to the mission and to the calling. Read Acts 14 along with me. If you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, there are Bibles there in the pew rack in front of you, and it will read just like what you see on the screen and what I'm reading here. Acts chapter 14. In Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue, as usual, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and others with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Durba, And to the surrounding countryside. There they continued preaching the gospel. In Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet, had never walked, and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking directly at him and seeing that uh, that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, Stand up to your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Laconian language, that gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended, with the crowds, to offer sacrifice. The apostles, Barnabas and Paul, tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd, shouting, people, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you, and we're proclaiming good news uh, to you, that you turned from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. In past generations he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they went over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derba. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. After they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a considerable time with the disciples. In this passage, we're going to see seven reasons to quit. Seven reasons to just chuck it all and to stop. We're going to see that that Paul and Barnabas had every right, I believe, to say, we're done, it's over. We're going to go through those reasons uh, right now. Reason number one to quit, we find in verses 1 and 2. They entered the Jewish synagogue as usual and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. Reason number one to quit, lies, gossip, and slander. And the Bible calls this poison. It got in and it infected the people. Well, that's, that's enough Reason to quit right there, right? People are going to spread lies about you. They're going to slander you. They're going to gossip. The, they're going to hinder the message because that was the only reason that the Jews were doing this, the unbelieving Jews. that they, they were just poisoning their minds against the apostles, against Paul and Barnabas. Reason number two, to quit, we find in verses 4 and 5. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and others with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers uh, to mistreat and stone them, Uh, hold on, let's uh, let's stop there, verse 4. We see division due to their message. Paul was causing a schism in the town. That's the word that we get the word schism from. The Greek word there is is schism. He was uh, splitting the city. He could have gone in and said, you know what? It's not worth it to do this to this city. It's not worth it to split this city, to cause this kind of division. And then we go on to verse 5. So he's caused this split. Uh, And and an attempt, it says in verse 5, was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them. So, uh, not only do we have this division, but we've got this attempted physical intimidation and this attempted stoning. They were going to do everything they could to get rid of them. And they were joining up. I mean, groups that normally maybe wouldn't have, have, have united over religious issues... Jews and Gentiles are now united in the fact they are going to do everything they can to get rid of Paul and Barnabas, including, up to and including stoning them. Whatever it takes. Well, that's, that's a good reason to quit. Reason number three to quit we find in verse six. They found out about it and fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derba and to the. Uh, surrounding countryside now let's stop for a second and understand what they are doing on this missionary journey they've they've gone up to uh, from Cyprus they went to the port city of uh, Perga they went up by by foot probably to Pisidian Antioch, and there they are on a road called the Via Sebaste. It's, it's a major Roman highway, and it would go from Ephesus over here in uh, eastern uh, Western Turkey all the way down to Tarsus, actually, to Paul's hometown, and and really back down into Israel and and Damascus, and and he could have they could have gotten back to Antioch, uh, their Antioch of. Uh, uh, Syrian Antioch, where the, the church was, if they had wanted to. And that's what his plan was, right? The major highway hit the major cities. This was always Paul's plan. Major cities, major metropolitan areas where you're going to have the, the most opportunity for the gospel to spread from there. That was the plan. Lystra is not on the highway. As a matter of fact, Lystra would be, if we're going to compare it, We were. Paul was coming down I-10. He wanted to hit from Los Angeles to Jacksonville and major cities along the way, like um, Phoenix and uh, uh, Tempe and El Paso and Houston and uh, San Antonio and uh, Sorry, we don't fit in that. You know that, but maybe Lafayette, uh, Lake Lake Charles, because we, you know. uh, uh, port City, New Orleans, uh, keep going, Mobile, he's going he to hit the major cities, but, but when he got to Lake Charles, for example, there was some persecution, there was something that forced him off of I-10, and he ends up going up to maybe De Quincey. That's basically what it is. Off the major highway, not a major city, not a major, major economic city, It was just a Roman colony. There was a fort there, and that was about it. What's my point? They altered the plans. This wasn't how they were going to reach the world. This wasn't what they were going to do. So they could have said, you know what, this is getting kicked out of uh, Iconium. This was not on the, the list. Let's go home. Forget this. Reason number three to quit, their, their plans got altered. Reason number four to quit, verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended, with the crowds, to offer sacrifice. And we see what their reaction is to this. The, the, the people thought they were Zeus and Hermes because they had, had cured somebody. They were completely misunderstood. It, it is an, an, an unfortunate thing to be misunderstood when you are trying to do something good. Um, we've probably all had, uh, You know, maybe when you're, I'll, I'll, I'll really simplify this. You see a, a stray dog, stray cat, and you think, oh, that poor thing was starving. Here, I'm going to try to feed it something. And you toss something to it, and that dog or that cat takes off. Like you misunderstood. I was helping you, and you thought I was doing something else. Well, uh, this is what the people in Lystra, and I'm not comparing the people in Lystra to stray dogs. Please don't go out and say that. Uh, they, they misunderstood what the purpose was, what the point is. Now, maybe, let's, let's, give, let's go back and look at how Paul handled this. Maybe the message was poorly delivered. I know something about that. Uh, maybe he didn't say it exactly right, because if we look, uh, he, he sees the man sitting there, uh, he, he listened, Paul sees that he had faith, and Paul says, stand up on your feet, and he jumped up and began to walk around. Now, maybe, maybe Luke didn't mean anything by this, but, but do we notice that Jesus is never mentioned in that little paragraph? Not in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Not what Peter and John told the guy at the the beautiful gate, uh, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Did you notice that there's some of that missing? Maybe maybe that's part of it. I I read one commentator that said it was uh, kind of understood that the gods would stare at you and yell when they were doing something. Well, if you look, Paul stared at him. And he said with a loud voice, he, he kind of played into their beliefs. Maybe he did it on purpose, maybe he was thinking this is how they'll respond, they'll, they'll think, we don't know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm reading a lot into it, but is it possible that Paul just didn't present the message exactly the way he should have? Well, that'll get you down too. When you think you've said one thing, and you think you've done one thing, and you've done it well, and turns out it it doesn't get across the way you intended, well, forget it. I'm just going to quit sharing the message. Hmm. Reason number five to quit, verses 15 through 18. Why are you doing these things, Paul says? We are people just like you. We are proclaiming good news to you. you. You turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their ways, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Reason number five, to quit, the message failed. You notice in that paragraph we have no uh, gospel presentation. We have no response. From the people, no, no positive response, no recorded converts right here. It could be a, a good, a good reason for Paul to to tell Barnabas, you know what? Not only did they misread the the the, the gift that we were giving them through the Lord of healing, but we didn't get to the the message right. I, he got through half his sermon probably, didn't get a chance to present the gospel. He barely stopped them from. Uh, giving sacrifices, and and we don't have a recording of any convert. Why not quit? Reason number six to quit, verse 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They're traveling a hundred miles right now to stir up mess. Uh, Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. Well, if Miracle Max had been there, he'd have said he's only mostly dead. Because, turns out, that's what it was. But stoning is enough to make you quit. Can we agree there? I'm mostly dead. Um, it's time to quit. It's, 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 it's time to stop. Oh, but we're not done. Reason number seven to quit, we actually have to go all the way back to verse 13 of chapter 13. So you should only need to turn one page. And when we, we read that Paul and his com- companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. And we're not giving any indication why he did. But, but that sets us up for something later on. And we get a little glimpse of mm, something's going on here in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 14. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, where the port was. And they have, after they had spoken the word in Perga, the, the city they landed in the first time, they went down to Italia, which was another port city just very close to Perga. From there, they sailed back to Antioch. Now, if we go back and read, they have retraced the, their road steps all the way back to Perga. They've gone up to the city in Antioch, and they came over to Iconium, down to Lystra and Durba, and then they went back. What they could have done, as I said, was just taken the road on down through Tarsus. He could have seen his family, and they could have gone back by that same road into their home, Antioch. But they go back the way they came, except they don't go to Cyprus. They, they completely bypass it. We don't know why, but something bad happened in Cyprus. And we have the message of, of Paulus uh, believing in the whole Uh, uh, confrontation with the magician uh, Bargesus, Elemus Um, but but something happened in Cyprus and then we're going to see later on in just not too many chapters this Paul slash Barnabas slash John Mark issue and they're going to split over this Paul and Barnabas are and we'll talk about that more when we get there, but clearly something bad happened, and, and the, the group has split up already months before this happened. So if you have all of these other things happen, and you've got John Mark who left for whatever reason, and there's probably some friction already with Paul and Barnabas, give up. Quit. Seven good reasons to quit maybe we missed some things. Maybe we did. Let's go back to verse 1. I I think we're going to find eight good reasons not to quit. Reason number one, not to quit, we see right there in verse 1. In Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue as usual and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. A great number believed. Now, we could stop right there. They could have stopped right there and said, you know what? A great number believed the trip was worth it. The cost was worth it. Everything they had given to this point was worth it. I mean, we could go back a few other cities and say the same thing, but a great number believed right here in this chapter, in this this new phase of the missionary journey. A great number believed. Jews and Greeks, both sides believed. Reason number two not to quit, we find in the second half of verse 3. They they spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. See, God was moving, even in Iconium, even after the mind poisoning, because notice that verse 3 comes after verse 2. Uh, The Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. But the Lord, uh, they spoke boldly for the Lord who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. God was moving in this place regardless of what the people were doing. That is a great reason not to quit because God is working. Reason number three, not to quit. Second half of verse 10, jump down there with me. Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet, and he jumped up and began to walk around. See, God healed, and maybe, maybe we're wrong about the bad delivery, and he should have uh, explained some things a little bit better, and maybe used some, some different language. Maybe this is exactly what was supposed to happen. Maybe it wasn't, but God healed the man regardless, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew this man had been born that way. There was no way this was some trick. Everybody in the town of Lystra now knew that he was uh, 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 crippled, knew that he was handicapped, knew that that this isn't a trick. This isn't some traveling magician that's going to bring his crippled friend and suddenly heal that crippled friend. It's none of that. God did it. When God's healing people, when God is doing things, y'all, you can't quit. Reason number four not to quit, down in verse 20. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into town. This is after he's been stoned and he's only mostly dead. This miraculous healing, God's just being God here. God is just doing the things that God does. God protected his his man, his preacher, his uh, missionary, because he was not done with him yet. And after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and he went into town. And verse 21, reason number five not to quit. He made many disciples, this is after he's left Lystra and he's now down in Derba. He's preached there, uh, preached the gospel in that town, and made many disciples. Reason number five to quit is because though this was not the plan, this wasn't the major highway, this wasn't the big cities that they were hoping to uh, reach, they are basically, if you read up a little bit, it says they, uh, in verse 6 that uh, they went down to Lystra and Durba and to the surrounding countryside. They were on the lamb, is what they were doing. They were hiding out. They were fugitives. That's not, you don't plan to be a fugitive. Okay, Paul, what are we doing next? Well, we're going to go to Iconium. And while there, let's become fugitives. Ooh, good. Okay, write that down, fugitives. Um, is that one eye, two? Okay, yeah, And then what? Well, we're going to go around the, co- no, that wasn't the plan. But they were prepared. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? We, we have a plan, but we need to be prepared. Paul was prepared, whatever happened, to preach the message in in season and out of season. And They preached the gospel in that town, and many disciples were made. Reason number six, not to quit. Verse 22 and 23. Uh, the first part of 22, actually. He strengthened the disciples. They went back through all these towns. He strengthened the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith. And when they appointed elders for them in verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Reason number 6 not to quit is we still have work to do. There are still people that don't know Jesus. There are still new believers that need to be discipled and grown in their faith. There are still people groups that are unreached that have never heard the gospel and nobody is there trying to share the gospel with them. There is still work to do. We cannot quit. Reason number seven, not to quit, second half of verse 22. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Reason number seven, not to quit, was they knew this was going to happen. In this world you will have troubles, Jesus told his disciples. It was the verse that was up during our, our first prayer. John 16, But take heart. I have overcome the world. They knew it was going to happen. The Sermon on the Mount counted all joy. Uh, blessed are they who are persecuted for my name's sake. Over and over and over they were told. They knew this was going to happen. So why are you going to quit when something happens that you know was going to happen? Reason number eight, not to quit. Verse 26 From there they sailed back to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Reason number eight not to quit is because they had been commended. The church in Antioch was counting on them. They had sent them out to take the gospel to the Gentiles and that's what they were supposed to be doing. Ultimately for Paul, the call came from God, Jesus himself. But this church had heard that call as well, and sent them out. But Michael, how? Yeah, that's nice, but how could they not quit? Gave me reasons why, why not to, but, but you're not giving me the how. Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 3. Let's go back. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of his grace by enabling them they weren't there on their own power they weren't there preaching their own message they weren't there doing their own work god enabled them and they knew that i can do this because god has enabled me how can i not quit how can i stick with it how can i have the strength to stay faithful because the lord will enable me verse 15 how could they not quit People, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you, and we are proclaiming good news. They had the only message that would save them. They had good news. How could they not quit? Because they knew that their message was the only message that meant eternity for these people with the Lord. They could not not share the message. That's how they couldn't quit. How could they not quit? Verse 23 when they appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, in particular, the in whom they, uh, or they had believed, that's talking about the, the, the new converts that they had made passing through the first time. But I know, in, obviously, that this also means or talks about or is true of, I should say, Paul and Barnabas. They could not quit because they knew the Lord in whom they had believed. They could see it in the people of Iconium and Lystra and Derba. Did you hear me? Lystra. No record of conversions, no gospel message, but yet God used that seemingly imperfect message. There were believers in Lystra. And they went back and and strengthened that church in Lystra. The Lord in whom they had believed. Paul and Barnabas. Paul could get up. He's going to talk about later on. I bear on my body in Galatians. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He was probably talking about this stoning. In 2 Corinthians, he is going to talk about being stoned. Ding, ding, ding. He wasn't pretty after he got stoned. I didn't put the, uh, the after picture of uh, Henry Irwin up. Uh, there's a picture of him soon after, well, he, when he was presented with his uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. And he is he, he's everything you've ever seen in old movies about uh, wounds like this. I mean, he looks like a mummy. He's got eye slits and a mouth hole. Everything else is wrapped because his entire body was on fire. And then there's a picture of him uh, in, probably from the 90s. Uh, and uh, Plastic surgery did a great job on him, but you could tell he was a major, major burn victim. He bore on his bodies the marks of his heroism. Paul bore on his body the marks of his faithfulness. And how could he stay faithful? Because of the Lord in whom he had believed. He could trust him. This is just part of his plan for me. And I can move forward knowing that. Verse 26, how could they not quit? Verse 26, from there they sailed back to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work. They were empowered for the work. They were sent out by the church, but they were called by God. They couldn't quit because God had called them to the work. It was God's grace. Michael, he was stoned. It was God's grace. Michael, he was mostly dead. It was God's grace. Michael, he was lied about and persecuted. It was God's grace. Michael, he was kicked out of town and was on the lamb in the countryside. It was God's grace to do the work of the Lord. Grace. You remember, he gets his head cut off, right? Paul, later. It was God's grace that called him to give his life. Verse 27 after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them. And that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Paul, what happened to your face? Oh, oh, that's where a rock hit me, but let me tell you about the Gentiles that came to Jesus. Paul, why are you walking with a limp all the time? Oh, that's... It's where a rock hit me. But let me tell you about the people who came to know Jesus in Lystra. Paul, what happened to your message? Man, I blew it that time on that message. But let me tell you how God used that anyway to reach people for Jesus. Paul, tell me, why are you, why is this, why that? Let me tell you about what God did. It wasn't about Paul. It was about everything God had done. And this is just the first missionary journey. We only have three recorded, but it's very likely he went on more. As a matter of fact, some people believe he went to Spain on a a fourth missionary journey, as he had talked about wanting to do when he wrote to the the church in Rome. This is just what he's done so far. And he says, look at everything God has done by his grace. How can we not quit? When, When it's just... It just does not make sense to go on when it is not worth it through our eyes. When our economy doesn't make sense, God's economy is different from ours. When ours says, no, this, this is, it's, it's stupid, you're just going to get persecuted again, Paul, you're just going to get stoned again. Later on, he will be shipwrecked, and we'll read about that, and he will be beaten, and we'll read about that, and he'll have to sneak out of places again, and we'll read about that, and we will read all about these times when Paul should have quit, and we would agree with him, and we would maybe. How can we not? Don't quit. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the message. It's about the calling. As long as I have breath in my lungs, God has called me to be a pastor. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you may not have the position the role of pastor but he has called you to be a minister he has called you to be a missionary charles spurgeon famously said as a christian you are either a missionary or you are an imposter you're either doing what god has told you to do or you're not a believer is what he was saying it's not about you it's not about me it's not about the stonings, Paul would say. It's not about the bad messages. It's not about getting things wrong. It's not about having to run. It's not about not things not going to plan. It is about the gospel. Henry Ewing, uh, Henry Irwin knew it. It wasn't about him. That phosphorus bomb was going to hurt. When they got him to Iwo Jima to to do the surgery on him. He had phosphorus in his eyes, uh, under his clothes, and every time they would open his eye, uh, pull back some skin to get some of the phosphorus out, what did that phosphorus meet? Oxygen. So what did it do? It lit and started burning again. So they would have to, every time they pulled something back, every time they pulled some clothes back... er that phosphorus would burn again and again and again while they tried to get it off of him and tried to get it out of, out of him. I, I don't know what he would have said, but uh, uh, Sergeant York, what was his first name? Alvin, thank you. Alvin York, most decorated uh, American soldier in World War I. Was asked, what do you, you know, how do you, you you, you did all of this. I mean, you learned, earned all of these medals. His response basically was, was just doing my job. I was just fulfilling my calling. It wasn't about the heroism, it wasn't about the medals, it wasn't about him. It was about what he was called to do. Don't quit. Because it's not about you. It's not about metals. It's not about wounds. It's about the message. It's about the gospel. It's about the grace of our God that has prepared us and called us for the work. That message is a message of salvation. That message, the gospel message, is one that says, You're a sinner and I'm a sinner, and that we can't do anything about that sin we are going to be punished eternally because of that sin, but what we can do is admit, confess that sin to the Lord, admit that we are sinners, agree with God on what we know is already true, and then ask God to forgive us. But we have to place our faith in something to experience that forgiveness. We, we can ask God to forgive us, but... It's not a direct line to God. There has to have been a, a, a mediator, an intermediary between us and God. And, and that mediator, that intermediary, is Jesus. Jesus, we need to believe that He is the perfect Son of God. What the Bible tells us about Him is true. That he died on the cross for our sins, and he, he rose on the third day to prove His victory over death and sin. And that if we believe in Him we can experience that salvation. We can experience forgiveness for our sins. And then we choose to follow Jesus by giving our life to him. See, we can, we can make some mental agreements, some mental, uh, uh, mental uh, 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 acquiesce, uh, uh, forget it. Uh, we can mentally agree, there we go, And say, sure, Jesus was a good God, and sure, God loves me and wants to forgive me, sure. But until we choose that, until we follow him, until we respond in faith, the Gospel of John says, believe, 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 until we believe, we will not experience that salvation. So this morning, if you've never done that, I want to ask that you do. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is and choose to follow him by giving your life to him, trusting him and him alone for your salvation. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you have worked in our lives, God, that you have provided such that we don't have to quit. Lord, we can say with Paul that it is by your grace that we bear the scars of of ministry. We bear the scars of missions. We bear the scars of believing in an unbelieving world. God, give us strength to press on, to press through, to overcome, to believe, to trust, to hear you. Lord, I pray this morning that you would send your Holy Spirit to work on someone's heart. God, we know that salvation only comes by you. No one comes to the, the Father except that the Holy Spirit draw them. So we pray this morning that you would draw people to you. We pray that you would draw believers to you to, that, that, are, that are on the cusp of quitting, just giving up. Lord, it's too hard. No, it's not. It's hard. but It's not too hard. God, pull them back. Let them know your comfort and your grace right now. But, Lord, unbelievers that are hearing the gospel message and going, I think that's for me. I think he's talking to me. I am. Lord, let them know that the message is for them. Let your Holy Spirit draw them and may they respond in faith. God, we pray that you would give us all strength, that you would work through us and in us to keep our eyes focused on our calling and the message so that we have the strength to stay faithful, just like Paul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what's your decision this morning? Do you need to accept Christ? This this is the the calling, right? Is your calling to accept Christ this morning? Is your calling to to be baptized, to lead a life of holiness, to recommit, to return to Jesus? Maybe you'd like to join our church. You want to make your uh, decision public this morning to join our church and then go through our discovery class later on in a few weeks. Maybe you need to say to God what Paul said at some point. Whatever comes, I'm going to be used according to your purpose and in and, and your mission. And maybe you need to surrender some things. If uh, you would like prayer, Tom will be over here in this corner to pray with you. I'll be over here in this corner or you can come to these rails and just lift it up straight to Jesus. You don't need us, but we'll be happy to walk with you through that. So let's stand and let's sing. And as we sing, you do business with God this morning.